Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast where we interview all the newsmakers and kind of have the longer conversations. Extra, extra fun. And today we are joined by my good friend from SiriusXM Radio, Carrie Pickett. She's a senior congressional reporter at the Washington Times. WashingtonTimes.com is where you can find her writing. And when she's not stalking the halls of Congress, investigative journalist doing her thing, um, she's often on media talking about what she's found out. Carrie, thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me, Stacey. So let's now get into, first off, just kind of a recap of Ukraine, because the war is still going on there. Putin is undeterred. The sanctions have hobbled his country, but he is in a bunker someplace or in the basement of the Kremlin still orchestrating the mayhem on the people of Ukraine. And he doesn't seem like he cares one bit about any of the things that we're doing to try to stop him. No, it sure doesn't seem like that. You know, one of the uh, questions that I had specifically for lawmakers has to do with the fact that, you know, you can put a ton of sanctions onto uh, onto Putin, but how much of it is really going to affect Putin specifically, and how much of it is really going to, shall we say, motivate uh, the the Russian people to rise up against Putin if they're the ones who are going to be suffering specifically? Um, and uh, you know, the, and the Capitol Hill saying, look, uh, what really uh, differentiates these sanctions and, um, from, uh, say, the uh, sanctions against what we did against Cuba is that this is multilateral. This is like from all over the world. And they figure they can uh, squeeze Putin enough to the point where he's just going to, you know, lay down his arms and put the white surrender flag in, in the air. And, uh, in the, but, but, but part of the problem, though, with that is that then you're wondering, well, what kind of information are the Russian people getting? Well, not a whole lot. You know, sure, they are, you know, seeing protesters in the streets. They're, uh, they're seeing, uh, you know, people run across the, uh, their uh, news screens, uh, you know, protesting behind newscasters. But at the same time, they're seeing those same protesters, you know, thrown into gulags, you know, uh, seeing awful things happen to them. And it's extraordinarily scary. So, yeah, you 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 really have to remember things are really bad for the Russian people and they're getting bad talk about misinformation. They're getting bad Russian propaganda from the state. So, uh this is a uh, situation here where where we hope that the uh, sanctions really do take their effect, but is it going to stop Putin? Mm, you know, we'll see. Uh that being said, uh, lawmakers on Capitol Hill, they are really urging uh, Biden to uh, send more Stinger missiles, uh, get those MiGs uh, into the air for the uh, for the Ukrainians. And he is, ended up saying, well, fine, you know, let's get a $700 million uh, package, like military package out there. But is that going to be enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of lawmakers aren't too sure about that. So it's it's disturbing because what we have is if Putin is determined to maintain the war and continue forward with it, the Russian people don't really have a say. So it's a very hard to understand position for Westerners. And I think that's why we see, Carrie, this continual push. You know, they're 
They're chasing down these people they call oligarchs who are supposed to have an amazing amount of access and uh, sway over Putin. And it turns out they really don't. The oligarchs are now kind of coming out and saying that they're using their own private funds to assist people in getting out of Ukraine um, and that they don't have any sway over Putin. And especially if they've never held a government position um, or if they don't know Putin personally, they may be rich and they may be from Russia, but they don't have any sway. They can't call him. They can't reach out to him. And certainly if they speak about him publicly, they could have their assets in Russia frozen, their family members arrested and, you know, carted off to some jail. So our understanding of how Russia operates and what kind of power Putin has seems to be like we're, we're 40 or 50 years ago in our understanding and we need to really bring it up to date. Absolutely. Uh, because it, I don't care how much uh, money someone has over in uh, Russia. You can be extraordinarily wealthy, but if you get onto Putin's bad list, he doesn't care how much money you have. That is a, uh, that's a very big problem for uh, people there. In fact, uh, the most valuable thing for anybody in uh, Putin's world right now uh, is a uh, one-way ticket out of there and to find a, a vessel that that uh, corresponds with that ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, speaking of things that we don't understand, you spend a lot of time with our legislators, and uh, I, I talk to them on the show. You know, we have congressional members on. We sometimes have senators on, but I don't understand the world that they live in that is completely immune to public opinion about how much they work and how much they earn. So everybody is talking about the fact that they just voted themselves a 21% pay increase. And now you're reporting um, and your your investigative reporting is showing that they actually are working on maintaining their ability to vote by proxy so that this kind of relic of the COVID-19 pandemic would remain as a feature for them. And I just feel like for some of us, I know for me, Carrie, um, I kind of feel like with the money they make, they should at least be in D.C. for the votes. And in in the modern era where you can jet across the country in four hours. And so if you need to go be somewhere, you can go be somewhere, but you can also show back up for the vote. Um, the, the proxy voting, it needs to go away because the pandemic's over. Right. Um, well, proxy voting came about, uh, as you uh, rightfully mentioned, uh, back at the outset of the uh, pandemic, uh, you know, we're now in the world of Zooming. We're now in the world of uh, you know, being able to talk to each other over the Internet and so on and so forth. And the uh, lawmakers figured, hey, you know, we 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 can't be in the uh, chamber, all 435 of us voting at the same time. We can't properly socially distance. Uh, and because a lot of members are, are like very often have to fly across the country, many of them, you know, are also Oh, much older. Uh, they're like we we don't want to have to stuff ourselves into a uh, airplane and then perhaps risk ourselves getting COVID. And this is, of course, was before the vaccines. So th- at that point, they're like, all right. In, in that case, we have to figure out a way to pass a rule so then uh, we can all vote remotely, uh, or at least a, a good portion of us can vote remotely. So that's how it. It's been for like the last two years uh, to make things safe on the floor. Uh, what ended up happening, what, however, was over a period of time, it went from being something that was pandemic related to 
Oh, um, I have to vote by proxy because uh, I have to get surgery done. Uh, I have to vote by proxy uh, because my mother is dying of cancer and I'm her only caretaker. And it went from like a lot of kind of sob story situations. And, you know, you feel for people. You really do it. Everybody has very human problems, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, To next thing you know, oh, I'm hanging out on on a yacht and I'm hanging with my friends and, you know, I'm I'm just going to proxy vote. Oh, I'm on the campaign trail. I'm just going to proxy vote. And all you you have to do is just Google stories about lawmakers, and and they're all named, uh, about lawmakers uh, just proxy voting, uh, just going to campaign events. Uh, There was um, one particular lawmaker, Ro Khanna, he proxy voted from the congressional parking lot because he was doing a media interview. Uh, now, mind <laughs> you, the way proxy voting works, okay, is that you choose a member uh, to go to the floor, and that member says, and, uh, you know, congressman, I, and I am now proxy, and I'm just paraphrasing here, uh, and and I am proxy voting for Congressman so and so, and Congressman so and so votes nay. Okay, and they do it that way, so in, in this very archaic way, as opposed to like just like hanging out, as opposed to the Congress member themselves like hitting a button on the computer so they can like avoid hacking. So that's why it's not done through a computerized version. Because some people say one. Why, why doesn't just a member who wants to proxy vote just vote by the internet? Because they don't want to deal with hackers. So instead, they do it through a very sort of like, you know, archaic way so they can announce everyone's vote on the floor. And that's why they do it that way. However, it really holds stuff up. So it's like an on, like kind of like an on block sort of a voting method. Now, what ended up happening though is that. Uh, you know, members are like, look, we, we, we realize that even though you may not be voting or a proxy voting because you're voting from a yacht or, you know, maybe it's because you had a really bad surgery or maybe you just gave birth and you had, a, you had, you had birth through a cesarean section like uh, and, you, and you had a bed rest and you, you know, and there's, like I said, everyone has issues. Uh, still, uh you know, you you came to Congress for a reason, and this has been going on for over two centuries. So, and people didn't people didn't vote for a number of reasons. But another reason, too, Stacey, remember, this is also a very close margin between Republicans and Democrats. So, in the right. past, when there wasn't when there when there wasn't a close margin, people could skip votes. It didn't matter. Right. They had they had so many extra people that some people, you know, I I would imagine it was kind of like texting. Um, You and I have done this before at CPAC. Are you going to be at the dinner tonight? Yes, I'll be there. Okay, I'll save you a seat. That kind of thing. So they're kind of like, are you going to be voting tonight? I can't. I, I, you know, my daughter has a recital and I've missed all of them. So I'm in my district. 
oh, well, I'll be there. Okay, so, or the one who's whipping the votes. Do we have enough votes to make sure we pass such and so and so bill? Of course we do. We have enough people coming. Uh, you know, seven members won't be there because of family commitments or personal things, but we have enough to get it passed. But now that their margin is so slim, the proxy voting is needed to ensure that they can continue to basically control the chamber, but they don't have to physically be there to do it. And, and there's something about that to me, Carrie, that stinks. Oh, sure. And and here's something else that people who wanted, and, and mind you, because both sides do it. Because, in, because in, in the beginning, at first, you had the Republicans who were like, this is bad. No, no, no. You know, proxy voting should, shouldn't happen, right? And then all of a sudden, they began to see their Democratic colleagues do a lot of it, okay? And they were just, and they were seeing their Democratic colleagues campaigning and do all this stuff. And they're like, well, geez, if, if it's allowed, right. we should do it too. <laughs> and, and so I need and, to take advantage so, of this too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at first, they were completely against it, but they were like, well, gee, you know, even though we think it's unconstitutional, even though we're we were completely a, against it, um, we might as well do it as long as it's allowed. And but now you have Kevin McCarthy who is saying that if the Republicans take back the chamber, he's going to make sure he rolls it back if he becomes speaker. So And you know what? I think deep in their heart of hearts, I won't speak for the Democrats, but for a lot of the Republicans they're taking advantage of a situation that exists. And when the chamber is back under the control of the adults in the room, then they'll all go back to saying, okay, you know, I have to prioritize being here for votes. And I have to make sure that I'm discharging my duties to my constituents. And so it'll become a scheduling thing again. You know, that is one of the most difficult parts of being a congressional member is the fact that you need to spend time in your home district for the people that live there so you can interface with them. You need to be in D.C. to vote and also to meet with your colleagues and, uh, you know, also to meet with uh, interested stakeholders and, you know, discuss policy and get background on issues and, and meet with concerned constituents who come to D.C. to meet with you as opposed to meeting in the home district. And then there's their family com- commitments and obligations. They have to be in their home district because they actually a lot of them still live there or have a family there. So the American people understand that. That's why they make so much money. And now they make even more. And I just think it will be disgusting if the Republicans bring control back to that chamber and begin to bring some sanity back there. And they don't also say, you know, proxy voting is limited to these circumstances. You are yourself sick. <laughs> you know, you're, you, you actually are sick yourself. Uh, you actually are having surgery yourself. You actually have a family member who it, not just in, in the hospital for some elective surgery, like they're having a tummy tuck, but I mean a, a serious surgery, something like that, if there were parameters surrounding it. But I almost feel like, you know, there's so much room for abuse, even if there are strict parameters that they should just eliminate it altogether and go back to what they did before. Um, technology is not supposed to make it easier for us to cheat. It's supposed to make life easier by helping us to abide by the rules. So the, I, I'll be interested to see what McCarthy does. Yeah, you know, I mean, Veronica Escobar, she argued, she's like, look, I totally get that there were members who took complete advantage of the system, and that was wrong. Um, And she suggested, well, maybe instead, uh, each member should be allotted maybe 20 proxy days 
that they can do whatever they want with. Now, that's like tantamount hmm. to saying that every member should have like 26 days or like 20 days to do. And then and they should just use them however they want and whatever. I mean, hmm. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> 20 seems a bit high, Carrie. So if we're, if yeah, we're doing sick days, then how about just you get 10? 10 is five business, two, you know, five business days times two, so two weeks worth. Yeah, basically, you know, those are your vacation days, okay? It, because, because then on top of that, you get a lot of recess days. I mean, they really do. They do get a lot of recess days. A lot of they get a lot of of a, of a recess days. But you know what's going to happen though? Then you're going to have um, a number of mem- you, like you're going to have members going. Well, I want maternity days, and they're going to have. Well, I want paternity days, and then like they're going to be they're going to be baking in a whole bunch of proxy days into that, saying, well, then I should have these days too. And they're they're going to be arguing over so many different types of like extra proxy days that like different people should have. And by the way, this affects all types of uh, people on the Hill. It isn't just members because when all these members were like, like taking off all these proxy days, do you know who else took off days from the Hill? They're staffers. Oh, right. Because you had lawmakers who would never be on the Hill ever. They were always away. So then there were staffers figured, well, then why should I even be on the Hill? And, and they would just beam into the the uh, committee hearings, and then the and then the um, committee staffers then wouldn't come in, and then the witnesses would just beam in, and then they and so some people would argue, well, the witnesses um, sometimes come in from across the country, so then why why should they even come to the hill? Okay, fine. Well, then some of them actually live around D.C., but then they would just beam in too. So you know, there are all types of crazy. Well, the more we discuss it, the worse it's sounding. Like, so (laughs) as we get further into it and you start talking about maternity days and all that, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, pump the brakes because they're making a lot of money before their increase. They were making 176 and then you have little, little like bump ups for committee, um, like being a committee chair or, you know, being in leadership. So I'm sorry, but now that they're making all this mad money, there shouldn't be any days off and the the, uh, the recess days are supposed to be for them to be back in their district. And that's all I'm willing to give up. Like the proxy voting has to go. They, they gave themselves a raise. This isn't the right time for them to discuss it. You're supposed to like space these things out and not dump them all in, at one time. Well, it's a, uh, I mean, you're talking about a body that argues for uh, all these types of leads. So don't be surprised when they when they argue for this stuff for themselves. So there you go. <laughs> well, um, I know we can trust you to keep them on their toes and to find all of the details, the nitty gritty. We'll include links to your articles over at WashingtonTimes.com in the podcast notes so people can read those and kind of get a real understanding of what you found out here. Um, I'm so glad we could catch up with you today, Carrie. I know you are super busy, and um, it's it's always a pleasure to chat with you, whether it's on SiriusXM or here on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Sure thing. Take care, Stacey. All right. Take care. That was Carrie Pickett. She is a congressional reporter for The Washington Times. You can find a link to all of her sites at 
the show notes at stacyontheright.com and also uh, listen.stacyontheright.com and familyvisionmedia.org. Uh, the book drops on Tuesday, March 22nd. Don't forget to get over to Amazon and purchase it. You'll be able to purchase the paperback copy or the uh, Kindle version. They'll both be available on Tuesday, the 22nd of March. Until then, God bless, and we'll see you next time.